Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name's Amy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, August 8, 2012, and today we are reading in the big book, and we are at the doctor's opinion, page XXIX, and today's readers are Michelle, Sharon, Carol P., Fran, Judy B., Louisa, and Melanie. The reference number for yesterday is 2820. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Louisa to read the 12 steps, please. Good morning. This is Louisa, compulsive overeater from New York. <clears throat> we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge of his will for us, and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we carried, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our past. Thank you, Louisa. Okay. I will now call on Melanie to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater from Minnesota. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, 
finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify ourselves as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does require that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we will resume our study in the big book, in the doctor's opinion, on page XXIX, starting with that first sentence, what is the solution? I will ask, oh, let me go through the readers one more time, please. Michelle, Sharon, Carol P., Fran, and Judy B. Michelle, if you'd be so kind to start us off. Good morning. This is Michelle from Missouri, recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God. What is the solution? Perhaps I can best answer this by relating one of my experiences. About one year prior to this experience, a man was brought in to be treated for chronic alcoholism. He had but partially recovered from a gastric hemorrhage and seemed to be a case of pathological mental deterioration. He had lost everything worthwhile in life and was only living, one might say, to drink. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. One year later, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I talked with him for some time, 
but was not able to bring myself to feel that I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me. A long time has passed with no return to alcohol. So the question is now being asked, what is the solution? Dr. Silkworth has um, talked about the phenomenon of craving and um, that the the only relief is to be entire abstinence. So how do we how do I go about doing that? How do I find that for me in my life? And this paragraph reminds me um, the one sentence he frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. And I remember getting to that point finally. And I came into OA in 2005, and um, it was not till 2010, October 2010, when I really finally. Uh, surrendered and saw that there was no hope for me. I didn't have a shred of belief that um, that I could pull myself up by my bootstraps. And that was when I did accept the plan outlined in this book. I, I understood the part about I needed to eliminate sugar and white flour from my food plan. Um, I was abstinent in that sense of um, in that sense, um, but I was still that trembling, despairing, nervous wreck. Um, it wasn't until I accepted this plan and really believed that, yes, indeed, I am a real compulsive overeater, and it's going to take more than just putting my food down. I needed to put the food down because I had gone back into it and saw the progressive nature of the disease. Couldn't go for 20 minutes without needing a fix, getting back into the food, and I was scared. And I believed truly I had there was no hope for me. And the plan, the plan was outlined for me, interestingly enough, when I went to a um, big book retreat, and I went in there trembling, despairing, wondering if there was was anything that really could help me. I had tried this, I thought, so many times, and, um, you know, I believe God had me right where he needed me to be without hope, and with surrounded by people who were recovered, just like on this meeting, people who recovered, who had been there, experienced it, seen people pulled back from the gates of hell, and I trusted. I put my reliance in a power greater than myself for the first time and was ready to follow the plan outlined in this book and believed that this was the only hope for me, the solution as outlined in this book and this plan, these principles, that I needed to um, hear what people were saying, get out of myself, and um, there was something more to it than just getting to my quote-unquote goal weight, something more to it than just putting the food down because there, I was still despairing, still nervous, uh, still trembling. And um, the promises hadn't come, in, hadn't come true for me, um, even putting my food down. There was more to this. I needed to embrace the principles. And um, by the grace of God, a recovered sponsor came into my life, and I was willing for the first time. I believed I was hopeless. And um, thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Would anyone like to share on what was read? Yes, good morning. Go ahead. I heard someone, but I didn't catch a name. Penny E. Go ahead, Penny. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Penny E., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater through the grace of God and all of you. You know, before I came into uh, OA and read this chapter, the doctor's opinion, there was no hope. There was absolutely no hope. I was doomed, and I had done plenty of research on that. No hope at all. Uh, 
through the studying of this chapter, I realized that my problem was twofold. I was just, just dealing with the physical part of it, putting down the food, putting down the food, never really realizing that the greater aspect of my disease was the mental obsession. So here it is. What is the solution? What is the solution? Um, and thank God that gave me hope. But it goes on to say, following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no brain injury. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. So the first thing that the elimination of alcohol had to be had to be done, had to be done before he could accept the plan outlined in the book. And the plan, of course, is the 12 steps of recovery, you know. And I've learned that not only do I have to read them and study them and know them and be able to recite them, so on and so forth, but I need to know how to live them, to incorporate them in my life every single day, 24-7, the same way that I am a compulsive reader, 24-7. Uh, but this is the other thing. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. And we go through so many changes. You know, I am so totally a different person. Uh, I'm, I, my low self-esteem has risen. My fear of people, places, economic insecurity is, is gone. You know, I recoil as if from a hot flame, uh, so on and so forth. But the other major piece is that I am in a normal body size today. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't recognize me because of the size. I, for me, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I think it's so important for us to not only put the food down, but to be reaching you know, a normal body size. That's, for me, and all the other stuff too, of course all the emotional stuff, not to be anger, not angry, not to be you know, lashing out at people. But it's so important when newcomers come in uh, I believe, to see a program of attraction, you know. So uh, anyway, very grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Have a God-filled day, everybody. Thanks. Thank you, Penny. I think I heard someone else. Would you care to share? Thanks, Amy. Hi, everyone. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overreader. Good morning, my fellows. You know, I remember one time my sponsor, I was talking to her about something. She goes, you know, Kim, the steps aren't a buffet. Now, you don't get to pick and choose what you do. They're numbered for a reason. We, we, these steps build on each other, and they have to be done in order. And I think what, this is what this paragraph is stressing. You know, it says he had lost everything worthwhile in life and was living, one might say, to drink. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. So there's step one. He was admitting he's powerless following the elimination of alcohol. So first he had to put down the, the drink. He accepted the plan outlined in this book. So he took the steps and he worked, which were the steps at the time, but he took these principles and he worked through them. And that's how he became recovered. And one year later, when he called the scene, he experienced a very strange sensation because it is a transformation of the of a psychic change, a personality change, a spiritual awakening. But there is a pace there is an order and there is a method to these steps. And I think it's so beautifully put out here that we have to admit we're powerless. And if we admit we're powerless, we, we then look for the power. But the only way we are available to look for that power and to be able to make that decision is to put down the food. And then once we do that and we make that decision, it's only by taking those action steps in the order presented in this book that we're going to experience that psychic change. 
And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share? This is Teresa. May I share? Yes, please go ahead. Hi, my name is Teresa. I'm a compulsive overeater. Very grateful to have been abstinent since July 19th of 1990, currently maintaining a 70-pound weight loss and a normal healthy body weight thanks to this program. And on the day that I got abstinent, I, you know, I started every day with the thought and the intention that I would be abstinent. And I never was until July 19th of 1990. And on that day, I had been eating compulsively at work. And I ran into someone I knew from the program who was in a terrible spot. And she was dropping out of school and quitting her job and trying to get into inpatient treatment. I knew I was powerless over food, but I, what I don't think really fell into place until that conversation with her was how serious this disease is. And this passage talked about, you know, after he stopped drinking, it was discovered that there was no permanent brain damage. And I think people sometimes think that compulsive eating is less serious than alcoholism because, after all, they can have permanent brain damage. We can't. Well, what's a stroke? A stroke is permanent brain damage caused by my compulsive overeating. And when I finally put together not only that I was powerless over food, but how serious this disease is, and I was nowhere near as low physically or emotionally as I had been in the past, but somehow it clicked with me, and I made that decision to turn my will and my life over to a higher power. And for me, that higher power was the 12-step program of Overeaters Anonymous because I knew people who it had worked for. I had seen their recovery, and they told me what they had done, which was to work the 12 steps. And I believed that if I did what they did, I would get what they had gotten, and that is true. I am abstinent. I am a healthy, normal body weight. And when I am working my program, I am strong. I am confident. The promises have come true for me because I put down the food and worked the 12 steps. And I can't do only one or the other because putting down the food takes care of the, of the, the physical allergy and the mental obsession is arrested by the 12-step program. If I continue to work that on a daily basis, I will stay recovered today. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you. Would anyone else care to share on what was read? This is Paul Nashia. Yes, go ahead, Paul. Thank you. I just want to zone in on that one, this um, word. One year later, he called to see me. Now, he was very specific. One year later, not a day, not a week, not a month. See, this is integrity that walked in, even though he didn't recognize it. This is someone that stood the test of time. No, I know that we make light of um, sometimes abstinent, being abstinent for a year, everything. but this man was more than abstinent. He was recovered. He was transformed. They are the difference. But look at the length of time. One year later, this same man who a couple of sentences before he knew as only one might say to drink. And there this doctor saw clearly. I knew the man by name, but partly and partly recognized his features. We've done that. Now you walk by someone and you say, gee, they look familiar to me. I think I might know them. And that I would like to end with, and thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you. Would anyone else care to share all this, Red? Good morning. It's Leah. Good morning, Leah. Go ahead. Leah and then Janice, please. 
Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Amy. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to hone in on this statement from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. You know, the big book teaches me that I have a soul sickness. I have a spiritual illness, a gangrene of the spirit. But when the spiritual malady is overcome, that I'm going to straighten out mentally and physically. So when I read that statement from a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged a man bringing over with self-reliance and contentment, you know, that is a transformation. That is a transformation. That is change. That's changing. That's changing from a self-centered existence of fear, trembling, despairing, nervous wreck, and transforming into um, a God-centered existence where there is contentment and, and confidence. And the steps are designed to do that. The steps are designed to do one thing, and that is to cause a psychic change, a spiritual awakening, a personality change. And that's exactly what I read here in that sentence, a profound personality change. And I know that that was true for me. You know, that these very instructions, these directions that are outlined in this book took me and changed me from what I was when I came in here to something entirely different. I personally came in here restless, irritable, and discontent. I personally came here filled with fear and filled with shame and guilt and remorse. I came here very selfish, very self-centered, inconsiderate human being. I came here dishonest. I came here self-seeking. I came here frightened. And because of those conditions that always led me to put my fist back into the cellophane bag. But if I could change from that, what I just described, to something entirely different, that must mean that my personality has changed. And that's exactly what happened due to this program of recovery, that my personality change occurred due to these instructions in the big book, and it was sufficient to bring about recovery. It was sufficient to bring about recovery, to change from what I had become to that which God intended for me to be. That's change. That's a spiritual awakening. That's the whole purpose of this book. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Janice? Thank you, Amy. Go ahead, Janice. Good morning. Thank you, Amy. Good morning. Vision for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Yes, I love this paragraph so much because it gave me so much good information. You know, this idea that this man had lost everything worthwhile in life, everything worthwhile in life. And there he stood, living, one might say, to drink, living only to drink. I can relate to that. But what happened to him? He frankly admitted and believed for him there was no hope. That willingness to believe that I am without defense against that first bite, that willingness to believe that lack of power, there was no human aid, there was no doctor, there was no minister, there was no priest, there was no one, not even my own willpower, that was going to bring me out of that nightmare, that hell that I was living in. 
And it says after the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain damage. You know, after putting down the food, the human body is a miraculous thing. You know, it recovers when the food is down, when we are not ingesting those foods that triggered that phenomenon of craving, the body recovers. But guess what? You can be abstinent and not be in recovery, but you cannot be in recovery and not be abstinent. What a wonderful thing to know. You know, and he accepted the plan outlined in this book. He had that moment of clarity where he could make a decision. And that kind of willingness to make that decision was something no one could give to me. No one could give it to me. No matter how much they wanted to give that to me, no matter how much they saw I was in trouble, they could not give me that. They could not give me that. And what happened to this man you know, brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. Contentment. He wasn't fighting. He wasn't white-knuckling it. You know, that's what happens when you're abstinent and not in in recovery. You're white-knuckling it. You're holding on so tight, trying to fight that first bite. But no, it says brimming over with contentment. Contentment. Living life on life's terms, being transformed, rehabilitated, God-centered, spirit-led. Oh, what a beautiful thing to think about. And that it's there for every one of us. That we can be this very same man, despairing. We can be this person, starting out trembling, despairing, a nervous wreck, and change to that. Change to that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. I think there was one other person, and then we'll move on. This is Sharon. Go ahead, Sharon. Hi. Thank you, Amy. I'm Sharon. Uh, Good morning to everyone. I'm a recovered uh, compulsive overeater. Uh, The thing that uh, interests me in this paragraph that um, I think about when I was still in the food, uh, when I was a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck, was that I, I, I knew I had a problem. But when they told me that I had to surrender, that I had to give up my, my way and accept completely someone else's way of doing things, that I had been living my life, I, I had been living it on my own terms, and the way I was facing life was, uh, needed a complete and total overhaul that I had to admit admit defeat, that I had failed. I just found that very, very difficult to do. Uh, and uh, I didn't want to, it was, it, my thought was, well, if I give up, what happens to me? What about me? What about my... Uh, personality? What about who I am? And so I hesitated uh, to to give all, to just completely, you know, the, the, the big book talks about throwing ourselves headlong. That's really the only way to do this program is to just completely surrender, throw yourself headlong. Uh, I think when I read this, I say, who wouldn't want to accept 
the program of recovery who uh, was uh, trembling, despairing, a nervous wreck, and uh, just, you know, body falling apart, chronic uh, alcoholism. Who wouldn't want to change? But I know personally, I when I was at that place, there was still that part of me that wanted to hold on to me, didn't want to let go. But when I read this, what what the key, one of the things that jumps out to me is he emerged after he had surrendered, after he had adopted this program, after he had thrown himself headlong into it and, and accepted the help and support of this program and done everything he needed to do. He found what emerged was a man brimming over with self-reliance. Wait a minute. I had to give up my self-reliance in order to accept the program. And you're saying what emerges is self-reliance? Wait a minute. In a short period of time, one year, now I've been doing this uh, compulsive overeating for by the time I got into recovery, I've been doing it for 30 years. So in a short period of time, one year, one year, a complete and total transformation. And then all of a sudden, I'm feeling self-reliant and contentment for the first time in my whole life. So I had to give up my self-reliance, quote-unquote, which wasn't getting me anywhere or anything. I had to grab hold of the hand of hope. I had to allow the the uh, arms of this program to pull me up. I had to let go of my own bootstraps, which were just pulling me down. And I had to grab hold of the hands of the support of the people in the rooms. I had to accept reliance on a power greater than myself. I had to admit complete and utter defeat. But what did I get back? I found myself. I never knew myself. I was buried under barrels of food. But here I found myself and I gained contentment. And in a short, short period of time, one day at a time and pretty soon it was a year, and guess what? People didn't recognize me because I was finally who I was. I was finally myself. I was finally, finally who I was created to be. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. And why don't you go ahead, since you're the next reader, and go ahead with the next paragraph, please. All right, this is Sharon again. Recovered compulsive overeater, gratefully. When I need a mental uplift, I often think of another case brought in by a physician prominent in New York. The patient had made his own diagnosis and deciding his situation hopeless had hidden in a deserted barn determined to die. He was rescued by a searching party and in desperate condition brought to me. Following his physical rehabilitation, he had a talk with me in which he frankly stated he thought the treatment a waste of effort. 
unless I could assure him, with which no one ever had, that in the future he would have the willpower to resist the impulse to drink. And um, I'm going to stop there, even though that next paragraph is, is one of my favorite in the book. I'm going to resist that uh, because there's so much right here. Um, a mental, when I need a mental uplift, I want you to know that one of the gifts we give other people when we recover is we give them a mental uplift. So it's not just about us. Our recovery helps other people as well. But here we have a person, a patient who had made his own diagnosis. And how many times have I made my own diagnosis? I, uh, and he came up with the conclusion that his situation was hopeless, which was true. But what he did further was that he hid in a deserted barn determined to die. So instead of running to the solution, he ran off on his own, still thinking that alone he could solve his problem, which in his case was to die. And how many times have I, not reaching up and out, but reaching inward to I couldn't solve my own problems, and my solution made my, only made it worse. But he admitted hopelessness, and thank goodness others reached out to him, which is what we're doing on this, uh, in this meeting and what we do at all OA meetings, is that we are a search and rescue party. We're looking for those who are in a desperate condition as we were when we came into the rooms and we're seeking them out so that we can help them who are hopeless find hope and to leave their deserted barn where they're going to die and to find life again. That's what we're doing. But this man, still after he had been sought out, rescued, still felt that there was no hope. And so unless and so he was setting his own terms. Unless you can tell me this, this, and this, I won't, I won't do it. And how many, how many times have I heard compulsive overeaters give us the terms of their recovery? I, they wanna, we want to set our own terms. We want to, our own way has led us to destruction, yet we still want to set the terms. We still don't want to give up. We don't want to accept help unless you can tell me that I'm going to get this, this, and this. And, uh, but it's only, only until we let go completely. And I'm here to tell you that there is a way to recover. I've done it. Many, many others have done it, and you can do it too. But you can't do it on your own terms. It can't be in your own way because your way will continue to get you what you got. But if you let go like I learned to do, then you will get what other people have have gotten, and that's recovery. And then through that recovery, as I said before, then you will find your own way. You will find yourself, and you will find that joy and contentment that you want in your life. And with that, I pass.
Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else care to share on what was read? I'll go ahead and share. My name's Amy. I am a compulsive overeater. Boy, the doctor here, Dr. Silk, was just so brilliant of, of how this whole chapter unfolds. I mean, he's spent a number of times that we've been speaking about over the last week or so about, about the disease, and the, the description of the disease, the twofold nature of the disease. We're restless, irritable, discontent, a spiritual malady, as Leah has mentioned, and then we are driven by this mental obsession that warps our minds so that even under, regardless of the crazy results of how injurious it is, our mind is so warped that we believe the craziest idea, believe in the craziest rationalization in our own minds that drive us to the food. And then we put the food in our mouth and we trigger the allergy, the phenomenon of craving, and we cannot stop. And so what does the doctor do? He's described all of that, but then he gives us examples, human examples of experiences of transformed lives through the grace of this program and what is written and dictated in the first 164 pages of this book. He gives us clear examples of people that have recovered, not only put down the drink and the bite of compulsive overeating, but have recovered through the 12 steps. The spiritual transformation. He shows you the dark before the dawn. This, these examples of these two men, I mean, are as bad as they can get, but it's the gift of desperation. You know, it talks about in the 12 steps, you know, John Barleycorn, Sarah Lee, if you will, is our best advocate. Why this insistence that every AA must hit bottom first? The answer is that few people will sincerely try to practice this program, this AAOA program, unless they have hit unless they have hit bottom. For practicing AA's remaining 11 steps means the adoption of attitudes and actions that almost no alcoholic who is still drinking or no compulsive reader who is still eating can dream of taking. We have to hit bottom to make that decision. And what he's showing us here is that there is a decision to be made here. When we hit bottom, we have to decide that we are going to work this program, that we are who we are, that we are a compulsive overeater, that we are powerless, that we will work this program like our life depends on it. You know, then and only then do we become as open-minded to conviction and willing to listen as the dying can be. We stand ready to do anything that will lift this merciless obsession from us. This is all about step one here and the transformation that takes place with the beginning of this program at step one. We, and I think I'll leave it at that. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else care to share? Good morning. This is Eddie in Virginia. Go ahead, Eddie. Good morning, everyone. This is Eddie in Virginia, a recovered compulsive reader by the grace of God and the fellowship in these rooms today. Thank you all for being here. Um, these two paragraphs, um, these two men, um, what this says to me is that these two people, when they decided to follow the directions in the book um, and admitted their powerlessness and were willing to put down their substance, found this great life that they never thought they would possess. And the same goes for me. You know, um, I have osteoporosis, and I take a medication for that. And there are specific, anyone who takes osteoporosis medications know what I'm talking about. There's specific uh, directions that you have to take for this medication to be uh, um, 
successful. You know, like you have to get up early and take it in the first thing in the morning, and you can't eat before you take it. And you have to wait. And it goes, there's four or five things that, you know, you need to do in order for this medication to work for my condition. So if I want to recover, if I want to uh, forestall this disease in my body, I need to follow these directions. And if I don't, I'm wasting my money, which is, you know, considerable with this medication. So these men have, you know, when they finally put down the alcohol and I finally put down the food, but then they did more than that because I put down the food a lot of times in my life, many, many times in my life that I put down the food. But then they went a step further. Then they carried it through and they picked up the book and they followed the directions in the book and they turned their will and their lives over to the care of their God as they understood him and they worked the steps as if their life depended on it because my life did depend on it. At almost 300 pounds, my life depended on this. I had multiple conditions that were a direct result of my disease and my years of compulsive overeating. But I never wanted to address that because I only wanted to follow the first direction. I didn't want to follow the rest of the directions. And I could not understand for the life of me, or I didn't want to understand, why it didn't work time after time after time. You know, there's that saying in the rooms that you come for the vanity and you stay for the sanity. Well, I I showed up to all these programs for the vanity because I wanted to look good. I didn't, I never, well, nobody ever actually offered me sanity until I got here. And then when I decided to stay around for the sanity, I was amazed at what I found. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Would anyone else care to share? This is Janice. Go ahead, Janice. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. So thank God for Dr. Silkworth sharing his experience with the plan outlined in this book. You know, and it starts us out, when I need a mental uplift, Dr. Silkworth is saying to us, when I need a mental uplift, when his experience had been so many alcoholics that he tried to help and could not stay sober, get sober, stay sober, and would go back out there. How how horrible that must have been for him to watch that over and over again and yet never stop. He never stopped treating alcoholics. He loved alcoholics. So when he needs a mental uplift, he thinks about yet another case of someone who took the plan outlined in this book and succeeded. Stayed, got sober, stayed sober, was transformed. You know, so sharing this story with us is a wonderful thing. And this man thought treatment was a wasted effort because he'd been there before. And what treatment did they have? You know, they tried to dry out the alcoholic and then apply moral psychology. And in, in very few cases did that work. A majority of cases it did not. So this man's experience had been that it did not work. And so he was hopeless as far as what he could try. You know, so he had spirited himself away and thought death was his only option. Death his only option. But Dr. Silkworth's giving us a clue about what's going to happen because it gave him a mental uplift to tell us this story. To tell us this story of someone who for whom the problem was eventually solved by the working of the plan in this book. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Anyone else care to share what was read? Okay, we'll move on to Carol P., please. 
Good morning, Carol P. Recovered compulsive overeater. His alcoholic problem was so complex and his depression so great that we felt his only hope would be through what we then called moral psychology. And we doubted if even that would have any effect. However, he did become sold on the ideas contained in this book. He has not had a drink for a great many years. I see him now and then, and he is a fine specimen of manhood as one could wish to meet. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through, and though perhaps he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. Um, gee, the problem so complex, depression so great. Um, I was there. Uh, I, I didn't have any hope. You know, referring to the paragraph before, um, I hid in my house and ate. I, I got so low, I didn't even know if I'd be alive, uh, you know, when my husband came home. Um, and But this person, he became sold on the 12 steps where he uh, got in right relationship with God himself and his fellow man. I had a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. A miracle, a walking, talking miracle. Um, Living proof that the program works. Um, And why would someone scoff back in the day or even now? Well, if they haven't seen recovery, we see it a lot more now. Um, you know, but remain to pray and be open-minded. Um, uh, I was there where many of us have been. We identify with these men um, and have recovered from this fatal disease, and uh, everyone can if they're willing to follow the simple program. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Carol. Would anyone else care to share on what was read, please? This is Paula Mashia. Yes, Paula, go ahead. Thank you so much. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. I'd like to turn around and look at that line. It says, I see him now and then. You know what? That meant whenever he saw him. Now or then. It was always the same. That's recovery. That's recovery. No matter when, what the day, what the circumstances. I see him now and then, and he is as fine a specimen of manhood as one could wish to me. And I love that last line. I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through and through. Perhaps he came to scoff. Yeah, you know, I'd look at that thing that said, well, we agnostics, that wouldn't be apply to me. Oh, how it did apply to me. For I too was a doubter. I didn't doubt God. I doubted that God could do for me. And he couldn't unless I gave him the willingness. And with that, he did. But then he says, perhaps he came to scoff. Hmm, I think we all did that. A book? book's going to do that. Oh, no, book's not going to do that. The words in the book and the power behind the book. Mm-hmm. And the integrity we see in the people. The 100 recovered that wrote this book. That he may remain. And there it is to pray. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you. Would anyone else care to share on what was read? This is Christine. Go ahead, Connie. Go ahead, Connie, and then I'll get the other person. I just didn't get her name. Press star one to unmute. Are you still there, or we can go on to the other person? I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. This is Beth from California. 
Go ahead, Beth. Um, yes, I, I, um, I'm Beth. I'm a recovered uh, compulsive reader. And and that, the last line, you know, we came to scoff, but we remained to pray. That that line is 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 my recovery. You know, I came in here so hopeless, scoffing at any possibility of of having recovery from compulsive overeater because I was so demoralized and and so scared and I tried everything and yet through working these steps, through working this big book with my with my sponsor, you know, I, I had hoped because I saw I thought that she had recovered and, and her story was so similar to mine. And um by working this program, you know, I have remained to pray. I have developed um a a relationship with my higher power and and I have recovery now, um, and so I just wanted to you know point that out um, that that line you know in a sense you know is uh, indicative of of so many um, of our stories of recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else care to share? Hi, this is Christy. Go ahead, Christy. Hi. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Christy, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and. Um, you know, this sentence jumps out at me. However, he became sold. However, he became sold on the ideas contained in this book. And I don't know about you, and I don't know where you are in your recovery on August 8, 2012, but, you know, I'm going to grab all of you and throw you in a time machine, and I'm going to take you back to, I don't know, we'll pick a day, August 8, 2001, and, um, you know, I was not a vision for you on that day, you know, and there was nothing, you know, in particular about that day except that I was uh, in active, full-blown addiction. I was in active, full-blown addiction. And what that meant is, you know, aside from weighing, you know, 300 pounds, give or take a pound or two, I, uh, I, was, I was stark raving crazy. I was absolutely crazy. And I had been... You know, I've been trying to throw my solution at a problem I didn't fully understand for decades. You know, for three, 30, 35 years, three and a half decades, I've been trying to throw, you know, Christie's solution to a problem she didn't really fully understand. You know, I liked food. That's why I ate too much. Well, that didn't explain why I sometimes ate food I didn't like. You know, that didn't explain why I ate you know, frozen food that should have been cooked and, um, you know, borderline spoiled food. And, you know, I mean, I was absolutely insane. I was absolutely insane. I was, um, you know, if you could say I was beyond restless and discontent, I mean, fill in your adjectives here. Um, I was I was crazy. There's just no other way to describe it. You know, I was absolutely insane and my life was unmanageable when it came to food. And so, you know, essentially on September 9th of 2001, I said, I am drowning. I am drowning and I need a life ring. I need something. I need help. I'm drowning. And when people threw me a life ring, I did not say I don't like that color of life ring. Um, I grabbed a hold. I became sold on the ideas contained in this book. And for me, what that meant was the description of the nature of my problem. And, you know, we talked about that in our earlier meetings, which is 
outlined in the doctor's opinion, and it describes me as someone who has a physical allergy, I have a physical allergy, an abnormal re reaction to certain foods for me, sugar, fat, flour, volume, certain patterns of eating, certainly, and um, I needed to put those down so I could do the real work on the greater aspect of my disease, which is the mental obsession, the mental obsession. And the steps that are outlined in this book are the only thing that I have found that have given me relief. They've given me relief. You know, I am no longer insane. You know, maybe some of my closer friends would argue with that, but certainly not around food certainly not around food and any issue that comes up. And I don't, I'm telling you, anything that comes up in my life, I can apply the steps to those. I can apply the steps to those and I can talk to my fellows and have them help me navigate through whatever it is I need help with. I have a connection to a higher power today. I um, have a life that has been completely transformed, completely transformed only because I became sold on the ideas contained in this book. And I, I will just share with you that if something like that can happen for me, that can happen for anyone. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this anyone is, else? It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. I'll get the other person. Thank you so much. However, he did become sold on the ideas. Yeah, I wanted to touch on that also. I, too, became sold because I was beaten to a bloody pulp. You know, I, I eventually bought the package because this disease tore me apart. I mean, I didn't know what I was up against when I was a young kid. I didn't understand the depths to which this disease would take me and how hot hell would get. You know, I don't know about you, but I never wanted to be a compulsive overeater, and this may surprise you, but my life goal was not to be here today on the phone speaking to you. I had other thoughts and dreams for me personally. But this disease beat me into a state of reasonableness. It says, I earnestly advise every alcoholic to read this book through. And though perhaps he came to scoff, perhaps he came to doubt and to scorn and to be in contempt and to laugh at this, he may remain to pray. I mean, why was it so difficult for me to get help? Why did I defy it and delay it and deny it and not want to be one of these compulsive overeaters? Well, it's called addiction. It's called the disease of compulsive overeating. You know, it seems to be the only disease known to man where the person who has it has no enthusiasm for recovery. That's why addiction is cunning. That's why it's baffling. That's why it's powerful. It defies our understanding. So finally, I had to get beaten to a point where I had no argument left in me about the term powerlessness, where there was absolutely no confusion within my brain or my soul about unmanageability, and where I had no difficulty understanding that I had become insane in this area. So although I came to uh, doubt what this book uh, was teaching me, uh, I remain to pray. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, my name is Hi, My name is Susan. Yes, Susan, we've got a few minutes, so please go ahead. My name is Susan, compulsive overreader from New Jersey, and I love the last five or six words here. It says, he came to scoff, he may remain to pray. I think that Dr. Silkworth is brilliant in my mind. He has saved my life. 
And I think what he said here was so true for me, that I may come in and may not like everything I see. I may make fun of it. As Scoff says, that you may um, be in contempt of something. But then he said he may, you may remain to pray. And for me, that is so key, those last five words. That even if I'm unhappy with what I see, I still want to remain. And I just pray that one day at a time, God can bless remaining on all of you and on me. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And on that note, we need to wrap things up. Thank you so much to the readers and those who are volunteering to read who didn't get a chance to. We'd like to close the meeting now with uh, a vision for you. And that would be uh, Fran, if you'd be so kind to read that, please. Good morning. This is Fran, Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass. Thank you, Fran. And that was on the big book, page.